Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here checking in for another week of fantastic news uh, to share with you. Uh, not just the good news. I mean, I realize we call it the good news because in God's economy, um, when you think about uh, what happened in Genesis chapter 1, and God's creating the heavens of the earth, and he saw that everything in the Hebrew was tov, T-O-V, uh, we would spell it in English, and that just means it was good. And oftentimes in the culture that we live in today, um, good kind of is the average, right? It's kind of the, the basic, the, uh, the, the kind of, okay, that's good. Like I think if you were grading on a scale of 1 to 10, or maybe more accurately, A, B, C, D, F, um, that we would put good somewhere around a C. And then we would say great is uh, way more important. But you know what's interesting about that is in God's economy, good is actually elevated. Great, the word great, just means large. And I think we have just kind of, it's one of those words, kind of like anxious, where in English we have just described it one word. Jealous is another word like that too. I, I, I don't know why this is so interesting to me personally. I think there, I could think of two incidents when I was younger, and maybe you have a similar experience. When I was in um, probably fifth or sixth grade, for some reason I was under the impression that the word unique and obsolete were the same. Now, I think the reason why it happened was because there was a lot of that obsolescence being introduced into the culture. Remember, there were this, you know, this product is no, it's going to make these, uh, these other products obsolete. It's just going to knock them out of the, you know, they, they won't be worth anything anymore, kind of in the, uh, that obvious sense. I don't know where I got the fact that unique and obsolete were the same thing. You know, maybe it was I heard enough ads where a unique product made others obsolete. I don't know. But I remember coming to the realization that unique just meant one of a kind and obsolete meant it was gone. And it, from that point on, it kind of got me on a journey of understanding words and then finding a word origins. You know, we, this is a word that we assigned in English to mean something, and then we're going to then uh, ask the question, well, where does that come from? And understanding, of course, that it's going to come from a position of, you know, wanting to know, needing to know, you know, I think it helps us understand. It's really helped me in my study of scripture a lot better. Um, where, where it kind of culminated for me was my second year in college, I believe. I had to take a, a, a English class or whatever, and it was Cal State Fullerton. It was all on word origins, and I loved it. I mean, I just absolutely loved it. You know, finding out the little idiosyncrasies of the English language. Like for example, um, if you know, if you have something that is uh, uh, something that if you if you want to try to take a, a word that has a positive connotation and make it a negative, then you would say, you know, you would put a, something like un or ear or something like that in, in front of it. So, and of course, now, some, something is redeemable, that means you can actually get it back, or something is irredeemable, then that means it's not. But something happened in the English language over the course of time, as I remember this very vividly 40 years later, that it used to be Every word that had a negative connotation, that little uh, uh, prefix, it was ill, I-L. And over time, what happened was the consonant was a change to adapt to that new word. And if there's an English teacher who's listening to this or a historian, I'm getting it wrong, please write to me at thebottomlightshow.com or go on the group chat and on our Capebrite app and, and correct me. But... Basically, something that was redeemable, for example, we would say was redeemable. And if it was not redeemable, we would say it was irredeemable. 
And over time, what happened is it just would start to, so if something was natural, ill natural, it became natural to unnatural because of the N, unnatural. And the ear, IR, redeemable. And so that's just how the, you know, the words would work. And so when I talk about Good News Friday and the good news, we should not forget the fact that words can kind of have a fluctuating meaning in the culture. And there was a time in American life, especially where great just meant big. That's what the word literally means. And yet we don't call this Great News Friday. We call it Good News Friday because we want to stay strictly, you know, biblical with that regard, number one. Number two, the fact that we can also say it's good news because that's what we're told in Scripture, the good news of the gospel, which is that we are sinful people. We live in a sinful, fallen world. We can't save ourselves. The good news, and this is where a lot of people stop, is that the gospel is Jesus Christ came to earth, bore the burden of our sin, took all of the sin of mankind on himself, went to the cross, bled and died, conquered sin and death, rose again from the grave and is now ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and counselor. Now, all of that is important to understand if you understand then that the way you can access Christ's death or was it the, the, the acrostic for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, the way you access that is you acknowledge your sinfulness you acknowledge the fact that the Christ, the Christ's sacrifice on the cross pays the penalty for your sin, that his blood literally, it, it, there's a payment that needs to be made. And the sin, this goes back to the Garden of Eden. God's currency is blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, an animal had to give up his life so that they might have a physical covering because now they were aware of their nakedness. In the same way, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin and my sin so that his blood being shed now covers us from iniquity so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sinful, rotting, horrible, decaying selves. He sees his perfect son, Jesus Christ. So in that regard, but you have to access it. The Holy Spirit has to move in your heart and give you the gift of faith so you can receive the gift of salvation. You can't just say, oh, I want that and keep on living your life. But that's how a lot of people, unfortunately, in the culture have. And so the good news of the gospel is because of what Jesus did for you and for me, if we confess with our mouth, Paul tells us, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Something has to happen in your heart that then winds up coming out of your mouth and then leads you into the waters of baptism, where then in the same way Jesus was baptized for the Jewish then traditional cleansing of the body and the forgiveness of sin. The, the, uh, the Jesus water now that we inhabit when you go under the water, your, your old self is submerged and up from the watery grave comes the new self. Sin forgiven, washed clean, and you have repented from that old lifestyle. Now that means that you're still going to have missteps, you're still going to fall, but when you do sin, you come before the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner, please forgive my sin, and God forgives your sin. So, that's the good news we celebrate each and every day here on the Bottom Line Show, but especially on Good News Friday. And we've got some great good news to share, <laughs> wonderful good news to share with regard to what's happening in the, the elections that are coming up. A lot of states, remember June 24th, 2022, Dobbs versus Jackson case was decided on, well, actually it was decided a couple of months before the decision was announced on that day. And the Dobbs case did two things. First of all, it established a baseline in Mississippi, 
that you could not abort a child after 15 weeks. Now, if you are a pro-abortion person, you're not unhappy with that because the vast majority of abortions happen at 13 weeks or earlier. But there are still late-term abortions, and you know how progressives can be. I want it all, and I want it now. And uh, therefore, you tell them any time that you're not allowing any kind of abortion for any reason, the, the left goes nuts. You need to be more tolerant and understanding of them, of course, but they don't have to be tolerant and understanding of your position. The Dobbs case actually really didn't go that far on that abortion side. But what it did do, more importantly, was it gave the Supreme Court the opportunity to say the reason we are supporting the Dobbs case is because Roe versus Wade is not constitutional. Neither was Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So both of those were overturned. And it was a great day. Of course, it was great. <laughs> it was a good day here in the United States. But of course, there are a lot of people who support abortion, um, still think that it needs to be legalized. And uh, therefore, I mean, I think in all honesty, if people knew the truth about abortion and they wanted to have a federal law that says abortion is illegal in the United States, except for the case where the mother's life is deemed to be uh, you know, at risk, or if there's a case of sexual assault where the person who has been victimized says, I, I want to end this pregnancy. And even then, I, you know, those cases are so rare. It's only 2 to 3% of all abortions happen in those cases. The medical community has advanced so much that the whole woman's life is at risk uh, argument is much less potent in 2024 than it was in 2014, than it was in 2004, than it was in 1994. And, and we should be grateful for the fact that that we have made this progress, but the left doesn't like that kind of progress because it means that you can't have abortions. So more and more states this year on the 2024 ballot, we saw this in 2022, we've seen it in 2023, a lot of states, you know, for Christians who thought, hey, Roe versus Wade is overturning, that means no more abortion in America. No, that just meant that it goes back to the states and the states are deciding. And lo and behold, we're pretty evenly split as a nation. But one state has taken a bold step to quiet the number of people who are trying to get abortion ballots, initiatives, to try to get enshrined in the Constitution like it is here in the People's Republic of California and also the uh, uh, USS Colorado. <laughs> Which state is it that has an attorney general that actually said, nope, we're not going to give you the opportunity to put the right to abortion and make it enshrined in the Constitution. That's not going to be on the ballot this November. Which ballot is it? Which state is it? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Here's Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services with a reminder that your investments do more than just make money. They actually change lives. This Christmas, we gave our family the gift of life. So I thought, let's do the same for our Wilson Financial clients. A way of saying thank you for being in partnership with us in the ministry. What we're going to do to honor our clients is we're going to fund 100 ultrasounds per month, each month for the next 12 months through preborn. Also, each quarter, we're going to buy an ultrasound machine. And at the end of the year, those machines will be saving an average of 1,600 children per year. We do this to honor and inform our clients of this great ministry and to say thank you for being our clients and being our friends. 
Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about the sanctity of human life. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we have a special opportunity for you as a Bottom Line Show listener, especially uh, for our flagship affiliate KBRT in Southern California. If you like practical Bible studies and you're maybe a lay leader in your church or you're looking for uh, you know, something that would be a new uh, opportunity for you as a Bible study group to study, uh, information on a free resource we're going to be giving away. That's coming up at the bottom of the hour today. Uh, Sanctity of Life Good News Friday story uh, comes courtesy of Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen. Um, there is a, uh, a proposed ballot measure. It's called Measure 14. That would uh, basically uh, try to uh, make abortion an enshrined right in the Constitution. Now, it's interesting because there's a memo with regard to this that has been issued by the Montana Attorney General that says that the proposal here is legally insufficient to be put on the ballot. I'm going to read from the memo here. Uh, the memo says that the proposal, quote, creates an express right to abortion, but denies voters the ability to express their views on the nuance of this right. Section 36-1 unmoors the right to an abortion from fetal viability. Secondly, Section 36-2 says in no circumstance clause, it prohibits any regulation of abortion care if the abortion provider deems the procedure medically necessary. This clause makes it so even regulations that serve a compelling state interest and are narrowly tailored to that interest cannot survive. The language also elevates the right to abortion above other medical procedures so that abortion alone cannot be regulated. According to the memo, then Section 36-C would prohibit the state from enforcing any regulation that includes an adverse action against a person. The prohibition on enforcement exists even if the state passed a law that meets the requirements of those first two sections. The choice to preclude the state from being able to enforce valid health and safety regulations is different than the choice to expand abortion rights. The contradictory language in the various subsections creates a quandary over the actual decision in front of the voters. At a minimum, voters are presented with multiple amendments, and because of that, Ballot Measure 14 violates Article 14, Section 11 of the Montana Constitution. Now, there's a group called Montanans Securing Reproductive Rights. They are backing this ballot, and they said that they're going to appeal. In an attempt to keep abortion rights initiative out of the hands of voters, Attorney General Austin Newsom has used the power of his office to put personal politics before a fair process to allow Montanans the opportunity to, to secure their reproductive rights. Um, you just heard the explanation, and we'll post it at thebottomlineshow.com. The explanation that the uh, Montana Attorney General said, "Look, you basically have tried to, uh, you've tried to word this in such a way that abortion will always be the law. The state can't challenge it if there's any sort of challenge. The voters can't challenge it. All they can do is vote to enshrine it. And why does abortion get special treatment over any other medical procedure?" I think those are fair questions. And you can see that the only way they can try to sneak this past people is through loopholes. It's amazing. One of the things that, uh, that, uh, that we look at when we see this 
is one of the things I appreciate about, like, say, for our, our relationship with uh, uh, with preborn. The the fact that when you go to a preborn clinic, the people who are working at the clinic are going to tell you the truth about pregnancy, on the whole, and your pregnancy. And the left doesn't want to do that. Look at all the deceptive language that's in this Montana proposition, which is why the state attorney general said, no, we're, we're not going to include this here. Uh, consider then what happens at a preborn clinic. And I got to thank some folks here. Uh, Hernando uh, Chula Vista made a donation yesterday, $28 a month. $28 covers the cost of one ultrasound. Hernando, thank you so much for uh, for making that contribution. Boy, San Diego's been really strong for us. And we're already off to a good start here in the month of February, that's for sure. But that $28 donation means that a woman can go to a preborn clinic. It doesn't cost her anything. They'll verify that you're pregnant. They will do an ultrasound. You'll get to see images of the child heartbeat. They'll tell you how far along you are. And then begins a two-year journey with preborn. It's not just a one and done. When you go to Planned Parenthood or any abortion clinic, They'll go in, they'll do an ultrasound for their benefit to find out what kind of abortion they want to recommend for you, and then they'll schedule the abortion, and that's it. Surgical abortions are becoming less popular. The so-called medical abortions are, are becoming more popular. And to that point, we discovered from our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, the reason why the medical abortion has become so popular and is billed as a healthcare me measure, it goes back, this is a brief history of RU486, those abortion pills. They were originated in France. It used to be called the French abortion pill. And when they came to the United States, U.S. politicians, and this happened during Bill Clinton's administration. I don't know who specifically is responsible for it, but it did happen, I believe, timeline-wise during the Clinton administration. U.S. politicians and lobbyists lobbied the French government first to let them use the French abortion pill without paying any royalties for it. Secondly, they coerced and lobbied the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to reclassify pregnancy as a medical illness. And now RU486 is listed by the CDC as the cure for that illness. When was the last time you saw a young couple who found out there was a little baby on the way, you know, put up a picture and say, hey guys, uh, congratulate my wife and me, she's sick. She has an illness. No one says that when you're pregnant. I mean, yeah, there's morning sickness, sure. But the CDC has gone so far as to classify the pregnancy as an illness, which is why the medical abortion pill is available in the first place and why it's being so commonly used. But thanks to a gift like the $28 from Hernando, $28 every month, a woman goes in, she sees the ultrasound, and then 83% of the time, for 80, every 100 women who go to a preborn clinic, 83 of them will choose life for their child, either to release that child for adoption, which is never talked about in abortion clinics, by the way, or hardly ever. For every 375,000 abortions Planned Parenthood does, they do 1,400 referrals for adoption. You can do the math on that. But preborn talks about adoption, talk about resources that you might need if you're going to be a parent and how to navigate that. And they also tell you too, if you're in a state like Colorado, California, abortion is legal. If you choose to end your pregnancy, we just want you to know what you're doing. You To end the pregnancy, if you're going to do the mifepristone, you know, the two-pronged pill approach, the first pill starves your baby to death. And the second pill helps the woman's body remove the baby because mom's body is in there says, there's a baby in here and I'm not supposed to get rid of this baby. I mean, the baby needs to live. And the 
because mom's body doesn't know that the baby is no longer alive. If abortion clinics would do that, if they would talk, you, they would see their numbers go down, but there would be a little bit more integrity in the conversation. Preborn does that. And Hernando Chula Vista, thank you for your $28 donation that makes that possible. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, by the way. 833-850-BABY, though the majority of people who give, as I look at the call sheets each and every day, uh, do so online. They go to kbrightradio.com. We've got a banner that kind of clicks around. And when you see the preborn banner, click it, and that'll take you right to the page. If it's easier for you, please go to rogermarsh.com, R-O-G-E-R-M-A-R-S-H.com. It's not quite as big a banner there, but you'll see it's one of the first things you'll see when you go to my website that you click on. It'll say, save a baby's life with preborn. Click here, and you can make that donation. Okay. Um, that's good news for the Montana voters that they don't have to put up with this double talk and this rhetoric. And thank you to their attorney general for keeping uh, ballot measure off the, uh, the ballot there, ballot measure 14. On the other side of this break, I want to talk about something else you can do every morning when you're drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> that could save a baby's life as well. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall. By the way, Punxsutawney Phil, what, he saw his shadow? We're going to have an early spring this year? I, maybe he didn't see Anyway, I just read the headline. Today's Groundhog Day, and he did see his shadow. Or he, we, we get early spring. Anyway, hey, I wanted to, we were talking about uh, the Montana Attorney General and the fact that uh, they have rejected this ballot measure in the state, uh, ballot measure 14, would have basically enshrined abortion into the state's constitution. The state attorney general wrote back a very lengthy memorandum explaining why um, he was saying you can't do it um, and it's not going to be on the ballot because it's contradictory. Uh, It contradicts itself too much. It elevates abortion over any other medical procedure and it's virtually impossible then to undo. So we commend the uh, state attorney general for Montana for keeping that off the ballot only because, you know, let let people make their own decisions. I, speaking of the, the pro-life community, um, I just came across a, 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 a little blip on the radar for a company called Seven Weeks Coffee. And they call themselves a pro-life coffee company. And uh, they basically started just a couple of years ago. And what they do is they donate a portion of the proceeds when people buy this type of stuff. Um, to uh, donate to pregnancy resource centers like Preborn. They launched uh, in 2021. Um, they were founded um, at somewhere around, I mean, they really took steam right around June 24th to 22, the, the anniversary of uh, uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. In the six months after Roe was overturned, they raised about $125,000 for pregnancy resource centers. Over the next year, they raised another 125000 They're now up to $300,000. Uh, the company is called Seven Weeks Coffee, by the way. And uh, that's, <laughs> I, I love the ingenuity here. This is just a free plug for them. They named the, the, the company Seven Weeks because if you follow along with some of those apps, like my daughter Emily has one that uh, uh, she's due in a couple weeks and all along the pregnancy, she's been helping the six-year-old grandson, Isaac, uh, to follow along to see how big his little brother is in mom's tummy. And sometimes it's, hey, today it's the size of a game remote and tomorrow it's the size of a television remote or you know, whatever it is. At seven weeks, the human baby is the size of a coffee bean. 
And so very cleverly, the company Seven Weeks Coffee uh, named their company after that. And they know that the portion of the proceeds is, is going to uh, go to supporting pro-life causes. They've donated nearly $300,000 to um, pregnancy, re pregnancy resource centers all across the country. By the way, there are nearly 700 pregnancy resource centers that they hook up with uh, to do so. So if you're looking for a way to enjoy a morning cup of coffee and support the Sanctity of Life community all at the same time, I highly recommend that you uh, take a look at Seven Weeks Coffee, and we'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we've got an opportunity for you to study a very practical book of the Bible and to do so <clears throat> with uh, free resourcing, to do so. Um, every Starting this month, and this just started yesterday, uh, we have a Bible study resource of the month that is very easy for you to get a hold of. Um, every month, uh, people are going to be going online to kbrightradio.com here in Southern California, and uh, they're going to take a look and see what this is all about. Um, every contestant is going to uh, be giving us the opportunity to uh, bless them with a Bible study resource that we have selected. Our own uh, producer, associate producer, Joel Dominguez, is actually putting that together for us. Um, this month, the resource that we have in question is by Pastor Scotty Smith. It's a Bible study on the book of Ephesians, The Love We Long For. And for anyone who's ever asked the question, am I loved? You know, I, I don't feel God's love. I don't feel it in my family. Uh, how do I know for certain that I am loved? This resource is a good one to have. For more information on how you can sign up to get in the drawing for Bible study resources on this uh, Bible study resource in the book of Ephesians, call our ad line. It's a special number here, 800-227-ADDS, 800-227-ADDS, 2337, I believe it is. And uh, Teresa will take your information, put your name in the big drawing, and you'll have a chance to win that book. Now, if you'd like to just win one straight ahead, the author of that book, Pastor Scotty Smith, is going to join me on the other side of this break. We're going to talk about Ephesians and give away one of these books. It's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. I can't say enough about Preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion, the third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. Well, today here on the bottom line, we're getting into a new, uh, well, kind of a new conversation about an old subject, and it's a subject that is important for us in the body of Christ to understand. It's a question that's kind of central to every human heart, and that is, am I loved? And is there a part in Scripture that helps us understand knowing that? Now, many of us will look at 1 Corinthians 13, say it's the love chapter, and say, by all means, 
we know we're loved, but that talks about love. It doesn't necessarily talk about whether or not we are loved. For that, you have to go into the book of Ephesians. And uh, for that, we have Dr. Scotty Smith with us, with us again to have a conversation about this, a brand new Bible study commentary that he's written called Ephesians, The Love We Long For. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Scotty Smith, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back and especially to visit around this particular theme today. Yeah, it's a good one, especially as many people are asking that question. Scotty Smith is the founder and pastor of Christ Community Church in Tennessee, did so for 26 years, has also worked on the pastoral staff of West End Community Church as a teacher in residence, and also served as adjunct faculty for Covenant Seminary, Westminster, uh, Philadelphia, uh, RTS in Orlando, and Western Seminary in Portland, too. Uh, we're talking now about this subject of uh, what it means to know that you're loved. And I, I see a lot of pastors who I think get this wrong, unfortunately, a lot of Christians do too. How do you answer the question? How does Paul answer the question in the book of Ephesians for us? Can you give us kind of a 60 second overview before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of this? Absolutely. Well, the, the way I love to respond with regard to Ephesians is to see how Paul, him, Paul himself as the author of the letter is so alive to the love of God. In chapter 1, he sets us up with a cascading waterfall of all these wonderful affirmations about who the Lord is, what he's done for us, and how we can know for certain, each of us, that he loves us as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Hmm. Well, that's a, a rather succinct way to describe it. You've put this out. This is part of the uh, outstanding Bible study series that comes from our friends in at New Growth Publishing. And it, in this small group, you include a number of in-depth lessons that uh, talk about some discussion questions. You know, it's very, very practical. Um, let's get into why this would be something that would be good, especially now or maybe coming up, you know, with Easter's just around the corner. And this would be a great study, a topic of conversation to have in those weeks following as we lead up to, you know, the Ascension, Pentecost, that type of thing. Why, why do more and more Christians now, people who profess faith in Christ, need to understand this, Dr. Scotty Smith? Well, the, the way the entire Scripture is written is that we might come to know the love that God has lavished on us in Jesus. And as we do, we will live to His glory. See, a lot of times in Christian subculture, some of us have misunderstood Jesus' words when Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commands. But right. what we typically hear is, if you obey my commands, I will love you. Mm, yeah. I, would say that, mm -hmm. I would say that Ephesians just shows us the paradigm is the more fully we alive, more fully alive we are to the person and the work of Jesus, then we are utterly transformed, head, heart, and hands. We are those that come to understand that Jesus primarily came to be my substitute to trust, to do for me what I could never do for myself, rather than simply my, my model to follow that I might earn my way into the Father's kindness and favor. So it, it, this book is good. I love your thought about even preparation towards uh, Easter season, because that's where we focus on Jesus and what he's done for us.
Dr. Scotty Smith is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His new Bible study is called Ephesians, The Love We Long For. This great book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will be giving away a copy at the end of our conversation today. One of the things that I've noticed the other the other morning, we had one of those mornings where um, uh, attending church for us didn't work out, so we wound up watching our church's service on social media, which a lot of people do. When it came time for communion, because of my ordination, we kind of, uh, we, that's where we put it on pause, and we go ahead and, and, and serve communion. And I've noticed, Pastor Scotty, that since, I'll say since the pandemic, maybe the last four or five years, when it comes to serving the Lord's table to my family, to friends, if we're doing a house church type of thing, I'm literally brought to tears. It's, it's just so beautiful to yeah. think about how beautiful the body of Christ is. I can't get through the words of institution without weeping. And... For the longest time, part of a Lutheran church, you know, it was something you came up, you came to the rail, here's your bread, here's your wine, off you go. I mean, it, it just, it, right, it was very, right. it was very transactional, right? And now it's becoming more where right. I really do find myself just adoring what Jesus did. And you call something, something you call adoraction. Uh, talk, talk about what yeah. that means in terms of not just adoring, but, you know, it, it sounds like it's a nice compound word that helps us explain some of the things that we're feeling, we're experiencing when we think about the person of Jesus Christ. Well, well I love, thank you for picking up on that, because I think that really is the compelling and transforming reality of the Christian life, the way uh, God the Trinity has designed it. Meaning this, for instance, if you just look through Ephesians, like a reference, Paul starts in chapter 1 by kind of front-loading a sentence, that one sentence that runs from verse 3 through verse 12. That's one sentence in the Greek, and it is chock full of, here's actually what these riches of grace are that God has given to you freely at the costly work of his son Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what happens, you find Paul, you know, in that posture of adoration, running through the whole book, so much so that at the end of chapter 1 and then in chapter 3, Paul writes prayers that basically say, Oh God, by your Spirit, make the love of Jesus in all of its dimensions so palpably real to us, we will adore you, and we will live to your glory. Mm -hmm. So see, action born out of adoration is the kind of obedience that our Lord wants, the obedience of faith and love, not the obedience of fear, guilt, and uh, a me-centeredness, where I think I'm still trying to earn something that's already freely mine. So, yeah, that's the paradigm. The more we see of Jesus in the gospel, the more we love him, and the more we love him, we go with him into his story, uh, a story of his making all things new eventually at his second mm. coming. So it's mm -hmm. a paradigm shift for sure. Pastor Scotty Smith, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, Ephesians, The Love We Long For is the book, and we've got a link for the book up at the show.com. There's been a lot of discussion, uh, Scotty, about the, the church itself. Uh, many people seeing, you know, the deconstruction of faith in some and others, you know, especially millennials and Generation Z asking the question, well, if I can just get the sermon online, why do I need to go to church or be part of a church body? You have a lesson in here from Ephesians chapter 2 that talks about the fact that the church is not optional. But talk about what it means to be the church, because I think that's kind of a fair question. To, yeah. You know, how many people have been going to church without actually being part of a church? Well, 
and, and very much so. And it's it's kind of like going to church without going to Christ, because mm. in other words, the more the more we see Jesus and what He loves, we love what He loves. And good news is He loves His messy people. Nobody is more aware of how <laughs> broken uh, the Church of Jesus is than Jesus. And that's one of the beautiful things about Scripture. It just doesn't spin anything. So. I would say that, for instance, even that prayer in Ephesians 3, when Paul prays that we might have power together with our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus to lay hold of the height, depth, width, and breadth of the love of Jesus. There's something that God has done so beautifully in terms of making us a family, a body, that we—it is—it's not that any of our friends are— substitutes for Jesus. It's just that they are conduits of Jesus, and God has wired the church around that sacrament of the Lord's Supper, under the preaching of the Word, being in relationship that actually ignites the reality of adoring the Lord and not just getting another sermon. Uh, one quick one quick observation. Our church right now in Nashville is, has grown by 20% in the last, I'd say, 15 months precisely in this very arena, and the growth has come through young adults who are saying, I want community, but I want the integrity and the beauty of people that need this grace they're talking about, people that need grace as much as I do. And so when you look in Ephesians of where Paul makes it real clear, our need is so great, only Jesus could meet it. You know, when a church family becomes alive to that, we stop opposing and pretending, and we become less pretentious and more humble and inviting of people from all kinds of backgrounds. And that is an awesome, healthy, growing church. Boy, that is powerful insight from Pastor Scotty Smith today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. His brand new book is called Ephesians, The Love We Long For. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ephesians is the place, of course, we think about the, the full armor of God. We think about the, the, the for, you know, spiritual warfare and things of that nature. But first and foremost, before we can actually put that armor on, there has to be some kind of transformation that takes place in someone's life. And I'm getting the sense, Pastor Scotty, and I'll, I'll let you comment on this as well, because you probably have a lot more depth and breadth to the subject. It seems to me that part, we've seen this for the past maybe two decades, where I, I hate to call it cheap grace or easy believism has kind of become the order of the day. You want to grow your church? Then don't talk yeah. about sin. Talk all the you know the perks that God has, the all-inclusive nature of the uh, you know the gospel, right. and uh, it, it's like you know everyone is welcome. So therefore, just show up as you are and keep being the same way you are. You and I both know that the heart of the gospel really is repentance first and foremost. Talk about how we can find that in Ephesians, the idea that we can actually experience true transformation and withstand some of the challenges in the culture if repentance is the hallmark. Well, I, well said. And in chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul does a masterful job to let us know that our need is so great. In other words, he uses this strong language that uh, as non-believers, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We, we needed resurrection. We needed something enormous in order not simply to be in a position to earn our salvation. No, our need was so great. We needed a righteousness. We needed forgiveness. 
So the Lord gave us, does give us the reality of our standing in Christ as soon as we come to him. But the goal of our salvation that Paul writes about in all of his letters is that we would be transformed to become more and more like Jesus, which will happen fully when he returns. So what happens, you see, when the gospel is in place, repentance becomes sweet because I begin to see sin is that which simply sabotages the truth, goodness, and beauty for which I've been made. And so when, so the, 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 the more clear it is that I, I was birthed into this relationship with the Lord by His grace, I have been covered in the righteousness of Christ, I've been sealed with the Spirit, I've been empowered with the Spirit, then what happens is I'm, I'm able to do what my spiritual father used to say, he, he referred to it as the Double cheer ups. Cheer up, Scotty. You're a lot worse off than you think you are. Cheer up. You're so much more known, loved, and seen. Both are true because the gospel's true. In other words, a mark of a growing Christian, even, will be seeing more of the beauty of Jesus. Therefore, how much more I need God's grace to freely repent because I'm already accepted in the Lord, but to become like Jesus. That will be that ongoing journey, and it is fueled by the same grace by which it began. So it's good mm-hmm. news, and we do do it together. That's, once again, why the local church is important. I'm Pastor Scotty Smith, and knows all about that, serving in pastoral ministry for decades, and uh, having written this book on Ephesians, The Love We Long For. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've got a couple moments left in our time together with Pastor Scotty Smith, and Scotty, uh, you conclude, of course, with the very well-known section of Ephesians, the last 14, 15 verses or so, the gospel and spiritual warfare is the lesson. Talk about what we can learn that we that you're seeing the church start to finally get that aha moment where we begin to realize, hey, wait a minute, when God says my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that doesn't mean permanent vacation. It means, hey, your armor's going to fit. <laughs> it's custom made for you. So that you can actually, yeah, talk about that if you would. Thank you. No. And yeah, as I teach in that lesson, uh, the armor of God is rooted in Old Testament imagery about the Messiah. So here's how I love to teach to bring encouragement for men and women like myself and your great listeners and the local church that that Jesus is the one that when I put him on when I when I understand what Paul means putting off the old man putting on the new man when when I put on those put off those grave clothes and put on the fruit of the spirit uh uh, literally, Jesus is the divine warrior who's doing in me and through me spiritual warfare. And see, the more I see Jesus as the fulfiller of every piece of that armor, then I'm actually more courageous to go into this culture that is filled with brokenness and, and can be very, very scary because, see, it's, it's a matter of not doing something for Jesus, but going with Jesus. He is the one who's making all things new. He is the one who has defeated the devil and will eradicate him one day. He is the one that, fortunately, the Lord has placed us in and has uh, indeed is therefore empowered us to go with Jesus and to do spiritual warfare. Again, think. I think the last way I would say it is this. Think of spiritual warfare is that which Jesus is doing in us and through us to his glory in the world he has bought, the world he loves, and the world he will redeem when he comes back. Amen. It's all about Jesus. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Great words of wisdom from Pastor Scotty Smith and a great way for us to conclude our conversation today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book is called Ephesians, The Love We Long For. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Scotty, always a pleasure. Uh, Thank you for the work that you've put into this resource and thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. My joy, dear brother. Thank you. Call me anytime. Appreciate y'all so much and God's blessing on all your listeners. All right. Good conversation today here with Scotty Smith here on the Bottom Line Show. The book Ephesians, uh, the Bible study on the book of Ephesians, and uh, it's the love that we long for. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you have two ways to win. If you'd like to win a copy right now, all you have to do is call. Crystal standing by at 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. That's for the one copy of the book that we're giving away today. If you also want to get in on our special monthly drawing for your Bible study group, uh, we do have copies of that that we're giving away as well, but you have to call a different number and enter a different way. So you call our ad line at 800-227-ADDS, 800-227-ADDS. Leave all your pertinent information with Teresa, and then we'll have a big drawing at the end of the month to find out who is going to win. Now, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about the sanctity of human life in a slightly different perspective. And also, I'm not a big fan of the modern hymn movement that takes an old hymn and adds a chorus to it. You know, I like the hymnists like Stuart Townsend and Keith Getty. I think their stuff is fantastic. But, you know, when someone takes a song like the old Rugged Cross and then adds like a little four bar, eight bar add on to it, I'm not a big fan of it. But a couple of contemporary Christian musicians have actually gone a step further and they've added a verse to a classic hymn tune. And on the other side of this break, I want to tell you why I think it's an excellent idea. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Pastor Scotty Smith for a great conversation about his brand new book, a Bible study on the book of Ephesians, The Love We Long For. We're giving away a copy of that book today at 800 227 5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And if you like winning on Good News Friday, uh, Pastor Ray Comfort is going to join me at the top of the hour. We're going to talk about how to pray so that God hears those prayers. And we have a copy of Ray's book we're giving away today as well. Uh, Scotty Smith's book on Ephesians is also part of our new Bible study monthly giveaway. And if you call our ad line at 800-227-ADDS, Talk to Teresa about that and find out how you can get a copy of this book by Scotty Smith uh, for your Bible study group. Now, before the break, I mentioned that there's been a new rendering, if you will, <clears throat> excuse me, of a uh, classic hymn song that we've known for years as, well, it was, it, it was, it's become a staple for the American church. It's How Great Thou Art. And uh, this is a song that was inspired by a Swedish thunderstorm in 1885. It was first, for, it was, it's been sung in Europe for years, but the English language version that made its way to America uh, gained popularity in the 40s and 50s. Uh, it first came to the U.S. in 1949, and then uh, there was a Billy Graham crusade back in June of 1957 that was televised, and at that crusade, Remember George Beverly Shea, old Bev, sang that song at the crusade. And uh, it also got, uh, uh, it was kind of the first time a lot of people, there were 19,000 people there, had ever heard it. 
This year marks the 75th anniversary of How Great Thou Art. And so it, to commemorate that, Integrity Music got Matt Redman, along with Mitch Wong, both of them Grammy Award winners, to put together a collaborative tribute to the song. They brought in Chris Tomlin, Matt Marr, Carrie Job, uh, Cody Carnes, and others. But then they decided, let's add a fifth verse to How Great Thou Art. And they did it, and it's beautiful. I'm going to sing it for you in just a moment. But here, part of the reason why I want to sing it is yesterday we had a very special uh, memorial service that took place at, here at uh, Fairhaven Mausoleum right here in Santa Ana. Um, Dennis Wilson has been a member of the Bottom Line Show family literally since we started. And Dennis and his wife Kathy have a couple of sons and then a whole slew of adopted kids. They have 11 children now and 23 grandchildren. And yesterday, we said, see you again soon, to their daughter-in-law, Tila. Uh, if you remember, if you're a Bottom Line Show listener, been listening for a while, uh, Brent Wilson, Dennis's son, was the proprietor of BPW Heating and Air Conditioning. And Tila, his wife, uh, was kind of the office manager there, kind of kept things together. Uh, Brent went home to be with the Lord about three years ago. He was in, had been involved in a car accident and had some major uh, uh migraine issues and things of that nature and had a seizure just it was really tragic tila was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, she battled it once and we thought she beat it but unfortunately it spread to her brain and uh, yesterday we said goodbye to her and uh, we wrapped our arms around her three children uh, paisley and uh, birdie liberty and uh, jackson who are now living with their uh, mama and peepaw uh, and God knows what he's doing. He absolutely does. But it was just beautiful to be with people, remembering her life, uh, just kind of rallying around the Wilson family. But we sang How Great Thou Art. and But we didn't do the whole song now because there's a fifth verse. And so on the other side of this break, I want to get into what that fifth verse actually looks like, what it sounds like, and how it has been formally recorded and now people are beginning to sing five verses of How Great Thou Art. Let's get into that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Call personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law first after an accident. Friends or family might tell you to get in touch with the insurance company for the party at fault first, but this is wrong. Stephanie knows countless myths that surround personal injury law, and she will help you separate fact from fiction. Stephanie worked directly for insurance companies for decades, and she knows how to navigate the process. You may wonder if your injury is too minor to warrant an attorney representing you. Stephanie can help you figure that part out with a free call, and she will tell you honestly if she thinks it's worth pursuing. Sometimes injured people are concerned about going to trial, but Stephanie prides herself on her ability to stay out of a courtroom because it typically means that she can maximize the amount you will actually receive. Don't make these decisions on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash cover. That's C-O-V-E-R. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We were celebrating the good news of the gospel yesterday as we uh, said farewell and see you again soon to our dear sister, Tila Wilson. Tila, the daughter-in-law, she's the wife of Brent Wilson, the son of Dennis and Kathy Wilson. And if you've listened to the Bottom Line Show for a long period of time, you know, Brent went home to be with the Lord three years ago. And then Tila, Tila's battle with breast cancer that moved to her brain ended Um on the Jan 25th of January. We sang How Great Thou Art. We sang Amazing Grace. 
It was wonderful to sing. And uh, Devaney, who answers the phone at Wilson, uh, does a really great job harmonizing. She was sitting behind my sister and me, and we were all having a good time singing. But uh, for the to close out this half hour, I wanted to share with you with this new fifth verse of How Great Thou Art. How Great Thou Art has turned 75 this year. And Matt Redman and uh, a group of other Christian artists got together and wrote a fifth verse. Now, you know the tune. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then everybody knows this part. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. I mean, that's, you know, the just the song. What if you came to a church service and you saw a fifth verse and it went like this? Until that day when heaven bids us welcome and as we walk this broken warring world, your kingdom come, deliver us from evil and we'll proclaim our God how great you are. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Tilly, we will see you again soon. And Lord, we will see you one day. Until that day comes, we will sing this song for you and for all of our brothers and sisters who've gone before us. That is good news, and that's the bottom line. Last call for the book by Scotty Smith on the book of Ephesians about knowing that we are loved. 800-227-5278 for those who remain on the network. Uh, coming up next, Ray Comfort talking about how to pray in such a way that God hears and answers your prayers. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show to have a conversation about something that is important to every Christian's prayer life, I mean, every Christian's faith life. But the question is, do we know when we pray if God is actually hearing our prayers? Ray Comfort is with me today here on The Bottom Line, uh, author, filmmaker, uh, guy who just literally written more than 100 books, the co-host of the award-winning television program that airs in nearly 200 countries, uh, produces award-winning movies. Uh, we can see fullyfreefilms.com, and his brand new book is called How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers. Now, this sounds like a very almost basic type of uh, uh, declaration to make, but How You Can Find Peace and Comfort in God's Promises is the subtitle. But we want to get into this conversation because you want your prayer life to be effective. Ray Comfort, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Good to be back. It's always a good sign to be invited back. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. It's one thing to write one book, but you really know your writing is making the mark if you get invited to write a second. And you've published more than 100. What's interesting about this book, Ray, and I was thinking about this as you and I were praying before we uh, started the segment here, is the very fact that you prayed with confidence. We pray with confidence because we believe that our prayers are being heard. But there are a lot of people that I wonder if sometimes they think it's almost like a Hail Mary pass in a football game where it's like, gosh, I, I wish 
that God would hear this prayer, that the universe or someone would answer this prayer. Why is it that so many Christians these days are maybe having doubts about their prayer lives? You know, whether or not God hears their prayers doesn't really matter until you're hanging over a thousand foot cliff by your teeth or you're upside down at 200,000, sorry, at 20,000 feet in severe turbulence. Right. Then you need to know if God hears your prayers. Um, but there are certain, if you want to, if you want to speak to King Charles, there are certain etiquette. You can't just show up in your pajamas. There's certain etiquette that must take place. You may have to wear a suit. You may have to bow the head. You may have to stand over there. Don't say anything just yet. Well, it's like, it's like that on steroids with the Lord. You just can't walk up to God and click your fingers and have him react as a divine butler. And yet most people think of him like that. Yeah. In fact, it's even worse than a divine butler. They think of him like they think of a sound man in a church. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks about the sound man for most of the year. The sound is great. Good through the music and the preacher. Everything's just great. As soon as there's a wail that comes out of that microphone, everyone turns around the sound man and <laughs> glares at him. Uh-huh. What are you doing? So when things are going good, that didn't even give them a second thought. When something goes bad, that's when they give them that, Ugh. well, it's exactly the same with God. God lavishes his kindness upon humanity. Blue sky, flowers, birds, trees, sun, moon, the stars, the fruits, friends and family. All these things are wonderful gifts from God. When something goes wrong, up goes the fist. And that's because of lack of fear of God. The Bible says of Jesus, he was heard in that he feared. I guess there's no doctrine that would be more despised by the world than the doctrine of the fear of the Lord. And yet the Bible is filled with it, promises of fearing God. The Bible says uh, of Jesus, he's heard that he, in that he feared. And the scriptures say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you don't fear God and you really do see him as that old, man on that cloud in a pink nighty playing touch fingers with adam then you'll not get your prayers heard the bible says if i regard iniquity in my heart the lord will not hear isaiah Hmm. says your sins are made a separation between you and you and your god so he will not hear obviously god hears everything because he's omniscient but what it means is he'll take no regard take no notice of you if you don't do exactly what the bible says and approach him with a humble heart and a contrite spirit you know, I get the sense, Ray Comfort, as we're talking about your brand new book, How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers, Find Peace and Comfort in God's Promises, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com, that for many of us, if we're honest with ourselves and with each other and with God with regard to our prayer life, our prayer life isn't so much us coming before the throne of grace with confidence, but rather it's a bunch of guys standing around in the clubhouse at the locker room somewhere talking about things they really hope would happen, they really wish would happen, and hoping that God's eavesdropping. Is that, I mean, that that sounds so irreverent, but has it been your experience, Ray Comfort, that that's kind of the American prayer experience in a nutshell? Yeah, it's very sad. You know, you think of the prodigal son. He said to the father, give me my inheritance. And then he went off and spent it on prostitutes and riotous living, according to the older brother. He went to a far country because he didn't want to do what he did under his father's nose. And the Bible says when he looked at that pig food, he began to desire it. And that's what brought him to his senses. Mm. And he went back to the Father. He says, I sinned against heaven and in your sight, make me a hired servant. Take me on as a hired servant. Well, what modern the modern church does is it avoids the mention of the pig food to the prodigal son. It warned him to see a sin in its true light. When you open up those Ten Commandments and show that lust is adultery, hate is murder, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, 
when you come to that revelation that your desires are like filthy pig food to God, they're unclean, those sexual desires, that's what brings you to senses, what should bring you to your senses. But the modern church doesn't want to confront the sinner with a sin. So he goes right. back to the father instead of saying, make me a hired servant. He goes back and says, dad, run out of money. You be my servant. And that's mm. the image that people have of God. He's servant. He's supposed to come running when you click your fingers like a divine butler. And it all comes back to whether or not we see our sins in a true light. And once we do, we'll get a great revelation, revelation of what God is like, that he's perfect and holy and just and He'll by no means clear the guilty. That'll produce a fear of God in our hearts. So we come before him with a, a reverential fear and trembling, with a contrite and humble heart. And until that time, God will be seen as our buddy. And I don't mm. think there's anything more that turns my stomach mm. when people think God of God is their buddy. And they say things like, you know, I got really mad at God. I said, well, go and stand in a lightning storm and say that again. Mm. You know, God mm -hmm. is to be trifled with and talk to like that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling powerful words from ray comfort today here on the bottom line how to make sure god hears your prayers is the book and find peace and comfort in god's promises we have a link for the book up at the bottom show.com more to come in just a moment as the bottom line continues for more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that face even higher amounts for funds over 250,000. Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Powerful words from Ray Comfort today here on The Bottom Line. How to make sure God hears your prayers is the book and find peace and comfort in God's promises. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a chapter in this book that I think is key because, again, if we're going to... If we're going to be honest, one of the things we re recognize as we grow in our relationship with God, just the longer we walk with him, the more we study scripture, the more we abide with him, we begin to realize how grievous our sin really is. I don't think of too many people who go to a great glory crusade um, will, you know, the, the, they hear the spirit touches their heart. They hear a song, they come forward. And then you, God begins to show them, okay, your sin was bad. No, it's really bad, but you couldn't handle it. You know, if we, if I told you how bad it was, if I showed it to you. The idea, though, that some people only bring the good stuff, treat God as their own personal valet instead of the holy judge before, you know, all of mankind. Talk about the fact that when we do have the proper attitude toward prayer, uh, that we we are guilty of our sin, but we're not condemned. I think a lot of people don't want to bring up the guilt part because they fear the condemnation parts right behind the corner. The, the analogy I often use, and I use it with the lost, I, I say to them, I've got a little scenario for you. Let's say you're a doctor, and before you was a man who looks well, he thinks he's well, he's fit, he's healthy, he's got a physique like mine, <laughs> but you know he's not well, you know he's going to die in two weeks because you've seen x-rays of this poison seeping through his system. Hmm. You have a cure, 
that you want to give this man. So you have a dilemma. Do you show him the x-rays or do you give him the cure? And often people say, ah, oh, you give him the cure, of course. I say, that's not going to work because this guy thinks he's healthy. He thinks he's well. He's going to say to the doctor, what are you giving me this cure for? I'm not sick. Get it out of my face. I don't need it. Now, the doctor knows what he's doing. He will show him the x-rays and point to the poison seeping through a system and actually make the guy tremble and sweat and become fearful. So he comes to a point of saying, well, doc, I see how serious this is. My life is at stake. What should I do? Now he's ready for the cure. He'll appreciate it and appropriate it because he's seen his disease and that's made him desire the cure. And what we've done in modern evangelism is said, give your heart to Jesus. Preach the gospel. Give him the good news. Give him the cure. And we've got a nation that's hardened to the gospel. Almost everyone I know has heard of John 3.16. Never been born again, whatever, you know. And, and it's because they've never been confronted with their sins. And that's what we must do. That's what Jesus did. That's what Paul did. That's what Nathan did with David. David, yes. when he sinned against God and violated all the commandments, coveted his neighbor's wife, lived a lie, stole his neighbor's wife, committed adultery, committed murder. He skittled those commandments. Nathan didn't go up to him and say, David, God has a wonderful plan for your life. You've got a God-shaped <laughs> vacuum in your heart. No. He said, he said, why have despised the commandment of the Lord? You are the man. He made it personal. And that's when David cried out, of sinned against God. And that's when we see the penitent prayer of Psalm 51. Have yes. mercy upon me, O God, according to loving kindness, according to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions against you, and you only have I sinned, another seed on your sight. And that was what the prodigal son actually said against Heaven have I said, I've done this evil in the sight of God. And that's what sinners need to be confronted with, with their sins. And there's a way to do it without offensive. You do it just by asking questions. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. You can see it on our YouTube channel. Just coming up to 250 million views blows us away. Wow. So encouraged by it. But you'll hear me say to people, do you think you're a good person? And they'll say, yeah, I think I'm a good person. So we'll... How are you doing with those 10 comments? And you take them through the comments. Just let them see their own sin. Once they see the, the uh, x-rays of the law, the 10 commandments, then they begin to desire the cure. They begin to thirst after righteousness, which is the function of God's law. It leaves us destitute, crying out, what must I do to be saved? So if we know what we're doing, we'll be Felix, we'll give Felix, make him tremble. We'll, we'll preach sin, righteousness, and judgment to him with the uh, Philippian jailer will give him his own personal earthquake. We need to <laughs> shake sinners and so that they come to a point of saying, this is dead serious. What must I do to be saved? And seeing the issues at stake. Yeah, I'm talking with Ray Comfort today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers. Find peace and comfort in God's promises. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I kind of get the sense, Ray, that when people do come to faith in Christ, that oftentimes when it comes to their prayer lives, it's kind of like Western American families when it comes to money, right? Everyone knows you need money. You got to go get money. Don't do it illegally. But if you do, don't tell me. And figure out that if you make more than you spend, you're going to have a little money left over. And when it comes to prayer, yeah, ask God for the good stuff. Don't forget to thank him for his answers. But there's a lot more in scripture about who we are, as you were sharing, you know, how our sin nature and 
also the kind of double-edged sword of this is not only does it show us who we are, but it also shows us the value of obedience to God and his word in our lives. Talk about how that obedience that we live out each and every day uh, with fear and trembling is a good way for us to say, boy, you want to make sure your prayers get heard. This is the, this is the pathway to follow. There is one Bible verse that's loved even by the world. I think Oprah likes it. Delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the <laughs> desires of your heart. Yeah, like, heard. you know, God's here to deliver his, his personal Santa Claus. But what we don't understand is what the scripture is actually saying. Delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you your desires, the desires of your heart. When you become a Christian, you have a Gethsemane experience. This is the normal biblical conversion. You actually have a Gethsemane experience. You say, not my will, but yours be done. You give up the battle. You yield your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. So as a Christian, when I delight myself in the Lord and I have desires of my heart, my desires are not for more, bigger, better, thicker, bigger house. Bigger car. Now, all that's gone. When I came to Christ, all those selfish desires were crucified with Christ. And I was raised in a new life saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? That's what a Christian is. Someone who's been bought for price. They're no longer their own. They belong to God. And because they're now regenerated, their desires are the same as God's desires. I'm no longer filled with greed. You ask, Scripture says, and you receive not because you want to consume it upon your own lusts. All that should be gone when you're born again. You creature in Christ. So when I have desires in my heart, it's to seek first the kingdom of God and all their right, all his and his righteousness, and all that stuff will be added. God will add it if I need it. So I don't worry about getting more, bigger, and better. I'm no longer wanting to impress people. The only one I want to impress is God with my obedience and my love Amen. for him. Amen. I want the words, well done, you good and faith servant. You know, there's a, a portion of scripture that just blows me away. Well, there's a whole stack of scriptures that blow me away. This this, this actually does in the sense that the centurion had faith in Jesus to a point where Jesus turned around and marveled. This is God manifest in the flesh. This is the invisible God made visible in Christ. God filled Jesus as a hand fills the glove. He was impressed. This is the one that made the sun, the moon, the stars, puppies and kittens and hummingbirds, all these things. He marveled at this faith. You see, when they gave out musical talent, I was behind the door. If I sung down the beach, the tide wouldn't <laughs> I can't jump. I can't run. I can't sing. I'm short. I'm just average at everything. But one thing I can do is I can have faith in God. Anybody yes. can. And if you have faith in God, you make Jesus marvel. You, you have the ability to make him marvel, which is, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. With faith, it's possible to please And, you know, if, if I have faith in you, if I say to you, brother, I, I just trust you with all my heart, that's a huge compliment to you. That'll warm your heart because mm -hmm. I've got faith in you. When we exercise faith in God, when we trust with all our heart, don't lean to our own understanding, that pleases God. And that's the type of prayer we should have, a faith-filled prayer. When Jesus prayed, he said, I thank you, Father, you heard me. You always hear me. And he, he says, I spoke out loud so that the crowd would, would believe. Right. But Jesus had absolute faith in the Father, and that's the sort of faith we should have in him, faith that he hears our prayers, that 
that he's trustworthy, that's possible for God to lie. Everything we rest upon as Christians, all those promises rest on this one truth. It's impossible for God to lie. He's without sin. You can lie on him with all your heart because he's not a human being. He's not, not deceitful. That's why we need to have faith in God and everything he said in his word. Well, that's a great insight from Ray Comfort. It's a great way for us to conclude our conversation about his brand new book. The book is called How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers. Find peace and comfort in God's promises. We've got a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. Ray, take the last 60 seconds of our time together with that exhortation. There's someone who's been eavesdropping in on our conversation or watching us at myhopenow.com, and they're you know they're having that second thought. They wouldn't say it out loud. They might say, I have an unspoken prayer request. And the prayer request is, I think my prayer life is a shambles. Give that person an encouragement that they're a lot closer to being heard and having their prayers answered than they might think. Yeah, please. Trusting, don't disbelieve God. When someone says, I'm having trouble having faith in God, I say, try that with your wife. Just say to your wife, I have, I have trouble having faith in you. That's the, be the beginning of a crumbling marriage. Say to yeah. your boss, I don't trust you. You've got to be without a job. So never insult a human being with unbelief or lack of trust. You're going to lose a friend or lose a wife. And never, ever have unbelief in your heart when it comes to God. Treat unbelief as you would an adulterous thought. That is a mm. lack of faith in God. Never say, God, I don't know if I can trust you. That's a great insult. Come to him, fill with faith, trusting with all your heart, not doubting for a second, and uh, be sure God hears your prayers and realize the answer to prayer. Sometimes he says no. So don't be discouraged. All right. Good, good, encouraging, comforting words from Ray Comfort today here on The Bottom Line. Again, the link for the book, How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers, Find Peace and Comfort in God's Promises, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ray Comfort, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Well, you know, it's always good to have time with Pastor Ray Comfort. And this book, I think, is probably more important now than ever before, because how many of us find ourselves spending more time on our needs before the throne of grace? and wanting to know that the prayers are heard and the prayers will be answered because we're praying according to Jesus' will. The book, How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers, Find Peace and Comfort in God's Promises, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's by Ray Comfort, and we do have a copy we're giving away today here on this Good News Friday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, it's important to understand that we can, you know, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us now approach the throne of grace with confidence. But there's kind of a paradox that happens when we do that. On the other side of this break, I want to take a look at that paradox and help us to understand why we don't have to be afraid of it. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about preborn is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers. And he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves basically 
choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the preborn banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology, and we're saving lives and saving babies through preborn. Click on kbrightradio.com, hit the preborn banner today. My thanks again to Ray Comfort for giving us a practical resource to have, especially as we are getting ready to move into the Lenten season. The book is called How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. The subtitle, Find Peace and Comfort in God's Promises. We do have one copy of this book we're giving away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's kind of a paradox, I realize. When Hebrews 4.16 says, let us now approach the throne of grace with confidence, because the preceding verses talked about how we don't have a high priest who doesn't know what it's like to be us. But we know someone who has suffered in every, uh, was tempted in every way possible, suffered way worse than we could have. And he's the one who's interceding for us now before the throne, that being our Savior, Jesus Christ. But there is a fear that we need to have if we want to have that peace that our prayers are answered. And you know what the fear is? The fear is of the Lord. I mean, the fact that we have a healthy, righteous fear, not a, well, I'm praying because God's going to be mad at me if I don't. But Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. We can't come to Christ if we don't first fear God for the fact that his wrath is what we're going to get for our sin. So it's okay to say, I have that holy, righteous fear. Just don't be like Jim Caviezel, very famously and astutely, shared about the movie The Sound of Freedom. He said there were a lot of Christians who were kind of backing away from the film, and he said, why are Christians more afraid of mankind than of God, right? I mean, we see this happen in the abortion world all the time. There are a lot more Christians, a lot more progressive Christians that are saying, we got to fight for abortion rights. We got to make sure that a woman has a right to protect her own body and her health and this, that, and the other thing without realizing that what they're saying isn't accurate. You want to know what the truth is about the sanctity of human life. We used to teach this in school. We used to understand this and know this. In our heart of hearts, God's natural law is written there so we know that when a man and woman conceive a child and and it results in pregnancy, that's a human being, and it's not a part of the mother's body. It's a whole separate body and soul and being that mom is caring for. And I just want to commend as we wrap up today's broadcast, a couple of folks who understand that too. Harry in Vista, uh, here in the uh, south uh, part of California, uh, with a $28 donation to Preborn, Preborn, the Pregnancy Resource Center that provides free ultrasound imaging for expectant moms. And the beautiful thing about what uh, Preborn does is they give you the opportunity to see your child, to hear the heartbeat, to find out how far along you are in the pregnancy, and then to explain what your options are. Uh, thank you also, John and Norwalk, for a $500 one-time donation. You know, the weekends, are, it's a good time when you're kind of out of the daily routine of everyday life, and you get a chance to kind of step back, and you don't have the, you know, the pressures of work, perhaps. It's a time to reflect and pray. We have a lot of people who listen to the Bottom Line Show uh, broadcast on the weekends. As a matter of fact, you might be hearing this part on the weekend right now. And if so, I want you to encourage you to step up and make that donation. 
Um, I mentioned at the start of the program today that yesterday was uh, Tila Wilson, Dennis Wilson's daughter-in-law, one of his daughters-in-law. He has eight kids, so I mean, that's, there are lots of daughters and sons-in-law. Um, she passed away. She uh, had been battling breast cancer that spread to her, it metastasized to her brain, and eventually she received her ultimate healing on January 25th. And uh, talking about uh, you know the, the sanctity of life, while I was there, I ran into a couple of uh, friends of the Wilsons, who are also uh, uh, bottom line show listeners, who on the way out, you know, what a beautiful service. And oh, by the way, uh, did you get my check yet from preborn or for preborn? Um, John's $500 donation, Henry's or Harry's $28 donation helps so much. 833 uh, baby. Every $28 provides another free ultrasound for a woman who is facing a pregnancy. Maybe it was unplanned. She's not sure what her options are. Preborn will tell you all the options, show you exactly what your baby looks like, how far along you are, and then we'll walk the journey with you. If you say pregnancy, this is the journey that you want to go. And they'll walk it with you. If you want to release that child for adoption, there's some legal things you have to do with adoption agencies and lawyers. They'll help walk you down that road as well. And if you choose door number three, I mean, 83% of the women who go to preborn choose life for their child, but 17% do not. If you're looking for a second opinion, they won't direct you to an abortion clinic, but they will remind you, hey, in the People's Republic of California, abortion's legal. But please know that we would much rather see somebody even make that consideration, knowing what all the options are, than to not have those options presented to them. The left, the progressive crowd that keeps talking about how they're the party of reality and science and this, that, and the other thing, I don't see how they can be when they lie repeatedly to women about what's happening with their bodies with regard to pregnancy. And your donation, your tax-deductible donation to preborn makes that possible. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or do what the majority of bottom line listeners do who donate. Go to kbrightradio.com, and as our rotating banner flashes by, uh, you see the preborn link, and you click it there. If it's easier, just go to rogermarsh.com. It's static there. My website's way more boring <laughs> than the Kbright site. But here's the, the deal. The name of the game is God so loved the world that he spoke the truth in love to a sinful fallen people, us. We need to repent of our sins. We need forgiveness of our sins. And there's only one way to get that. And that is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And that's the bottom line.